What's up, fam? It's your boy, Peter. Hey, my name is Carl. And you're listening to Do You Even Lift, Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We deeply appreciate it. We're going to be talking about dating, and we have a guest today, which is my partner, Bailey. Bailey, say hi to the people. What up? Cool. We're going to get to know Bailey um, later down the episode. But today, we're going to be talking about... Tinder. Tinder. That's exciting, right? Woo. I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's like full disclosure, I have a partner as well. So you and I are venturing into a realm in which I haven't experienced in the last two years. But yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. Cool. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little tired, but today was my easy day. So I'm doing pretty well, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Real convincing. I, I'm doing so great right now. <laughs> Not, I'd imagine you feel nervous because your partner now is at your like place of work. Yeah, I am kind of nervous, but I'm glad that they're like, here. So. Okay, that's what's up. How are I'm you? all right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. How are you doing, Carl? I'm all right. I'm f- tired. I, I, it's like, I don't know if I ever want to do a four o'clock on a Friday again. Like, I'm just, it's the end of the week and I'm just yeah. really tired. Yeah. Like, I used to get energized by Friday afternoons, right? Yeah. But now I'm old Oh. and I'm just tired from like the cumulative impact of the week. But you know what? I'm glad that we're here. I think we're going to tackle a topic that might become a multi-part series because there's a lot to talk about when we're talking about dating. So much, especially when it concerns masculinity. Yeah, absolutely. And specifically, we wanted to start with Tinder. Yeah. Right. Tell me about your experiences with Tinder, Peter. Okay, so I've had a Tinder for a really long time. I I deleted it a while ago, but did you? Yeah, ever since I met <laughs> Bailey, I, I deleted it. I only downloaded it recently to find my bio. Okay. I, th- I think it would be interesting to read my bio. So this is my bio for my Tinder. Peter, nineteen years old, less than a mile away. So <laughs> obviously looking for a pit buddy basis, do it better. CSU 2021. Check out my band single Kugel Blitz criterion and chill shred till I'm dead. Six foot raging feminist consent is keen. A lot of my interests are from Facebook, but don't get me wrong. I still with Bionicles a little bit of a mixed bag, but I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, because I'm old. You're not supposed to. <laughs> You're not. That's my right. Type. I wouldn't swipe right on that profile. <laughs> no, that hurts. <laughs> well, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Plus, the 19 is a bit of a deal breaker for me. Yeah, I could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am 32. So, why did you get onto Tinder in the first place? So, the reason why I first got onto Tinder is kind of up i just wanted to screw around with people okay i just wanted to make jokes and like use the site which is almost exclusively for dating and like hookups and stuff like that and i just wanted to like screw around with people and not in that sense but in the sense of just like (laughs) making jokes and stuff so my friends and i would like find somebody and we text them like I remember this one time where there was this woman who matched with me and I said, I need your help. I'm stuck in Wyoming and I don't know how to change a tire and I need you to look up on Google how to change a tire and then send the instructions to me. And she was like, why don't you do that yourself? Okay. (laughs) And I was like, I don't have Wi-Fi. And (laughs) wait. And you need Wi-Fi to use Tinder. <laughs> right. So it was really funny. Like she sent me the instructions on how to change tire. And it was really funny. Wow. Okay. Okay. But, so do you, <laughs> you mess with everyone on, t- on Tinder. Oh yeah. Men and women. Oh yeah. Okay. Not just women. No. Yeah. It's, it's, comp- I actually mess with more men than women okay. on Tinder. Why? I don't know. It's just, it's like funny. And I think I'm kind of funny. Okay. And like, I used to follow a lot of these meme pages where they would like send really weird stuff to people on Tinder and it would be really funny. And I'm like, I want to do something like that. So I would do that. Um, I started this when I was in middle school. I created Damn. a fake Facebook account and matched with really old dudes. And I would like just mess around with them. That's interesting to me because I, so when 
I started Tinder four-ish years ago mm-hmm. and stopped when I met and started dating my current partner, I felt like it was a place of vulnerability for me. Like I was putting myself out there in a way that I hadn't in a really long time. Like I was a serial partner or... Oh, yeah. um, yeah, like I would move from one one to three year partnership to the next for a really long time. And then when I started Tinder, it was like the first time in a long time that I was single for more than a year. And so I did a lot of personal work before I got on there thinking now I'm ready to like actually give my full self to people that I want to like be with. And so I'm trying to imagine myself getting trolled by a middle schooler as a <laughs> <laughs> as a 30 year old and i think that would piss me off oh yeah you know what i mean and so it pissed a lot of people off and i think that is the insight in which i think i want to take our conversation around tinder is what is a healthy way for a man cis men in particular who heterosexual or otherwise i think in this conversation mm-hmm. a socially conscious dude going into dating through tinder has to be aware of i think a lot of different things Definitely. and so that's where i want to have this conversation and part of this conversation too is we have to acknowledge as cis men like <laughs> i feel like the dating world is kind of dangerous for women oh, like absolutely we talked about louis ck earlier and he has actually kind of a funny skit around like how the hell do and why do women date men because like it's almost life-threatening every time yeah and that's the context in which we're talking about what makes dating hard for men and it's not hard for men because we actually rarely consider our physical safety during a dating relationship or meeting strangers at a restaurant right so yeah like the worst thing a man can experience through a tinder date is like the woman doesn't look exactly like her profile photo and the worst thing a woman can experience is death Exactly. That's a little, little kind of lopsided, right? Yeah. That's the context in which we're talking about, quote unquote, the difficulties conscious men can potentially have as they engage the dating world. Okay. And the reason why this podcast exists is so that we can have that conversation. Yeah. So to sort of understand the scope in which women experience Tinder. Peter, you did something really interesting, right? Yeah. So I was playing a concert at uh, Cervantes Masterpiece and I had to sell a bunch of tickets in order to play. In order to boost my sales, I created a fake Tinder account with the profile pictures of this model. And I put in my bio, like, come to my concert on Friday. And I put like the website where you could buy tickets. And I just right swiped on everyone. Okay. And literally just everyone. Okay. And I think I matched with literally everybody that I right swiped with. Okay. And so what I did was um, I would just like wait for messages because mostly men send the first message on Tinder. And um, so I would get these messages and what I thought would be like a funny prank turned into be like a very emotional labor intensive experience Say more for me. So I was pretending to be this woman, right? And I was trying to get people to come to my show. And just some of the messages I got were just so berating and degrading and violent for just like start out messages for somebody that you don't know at all. You have an example? Yeah, I have a lot of examples because I took photos of all of these because some of them were like funny and then others were just extremely problematic that I was like, do why? How do these people exist? (laughs) And so, oh, okay, Greg. Greg. Wait, is his real name Greg? I mean, I don't know. Okay, Greg. Greg. Your boy Greg. All right. <laughs> he sent me this. I wanted to tell you you're beautiful, but beauty is on the inside and I haven't been inside you yet. Okay, let's all just groan. One, two, three. Uh, so I was looking for that like sound like shut up. So I said, try again. And then he sent 
Now a poem for a beautiful lady. We matched on Tinder. I hope you're a slut. Now please will you let me... And I said, that's pretty violent. And he said, oh, not serious though. Okay. Which kind of goes to our joking podcast yep. that we did previously. But also like most of these are just like the first message would be like, want to or like want to get dinner and like I'll you later. <laughs> and so there was this one guy where I said, um, he was just very misogynistic to me. He was like, want to I'm like, okay, that's a little abrasive. And then he was just talking about his dick and whatever. And I said, respecting women must be your kryptonite. <laughs> He said, it was at one point in my life. I prefer to be direct in what I want. If you don't want to, all you had to do is say no. And I would have went on my way. I ain't wasting anybody's time. It's something you don't get back. That one's the most interesting to me. um, When you started sharing these for me, like I think there's something to the idea of being direct, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. talking about affirmative and enthusiastic consent. And some of the best ways to attain that is to be direct. But that directness is very different from what maybe a socially conscious man who is trying to date would consider to be direct, right? Yeah. I think it I think it really boils down to the type of language you use. Okay. This guy sent one of Right. And I was like, that's kind of like, I don't know, for me, that's like so lazy also in the first place. And <laughs> okay. also it's like pure objectification mm. where it's just, you don't want, you don't care about me as a human being at all. You just want to see me as like a piece of me. Okay. I think that also makes the assumption that women, some women, when it comes to just sexual pleasure, don't see men the same way. Right. Like mm-hmm. I would imagine that there are some dudes that argue that. Right. And I think what we're trying to acknowledge is that there are power dynamics in everything. And so yeah. a dude saying to a woman, want to is a very different dynamic than a woman saying to a dude, want to. Yeah. So again, going back to this idea of being direct, but also not being a piece of trash is definitely possible. Yeah. I think there are definitely routes to take. And I think when you're on Tinder, you have to have a very set intention behind why you're behind Tinder. Okay. What could some of those intentions be? Okay. So looking for a partner. Like a legitimate, healthy, long-term, supportive, interdependent relationship. Yeah. I'm sure that's not what it's used most of the time, but (laughs) that is an intention. Yes. (laughs) Hookups. Hookups. Like one night stand stuff or continual like, oh, this was fun. Let's keep going type of stuff. Both. All of it. Yeah. Just get off type of thing. Yeah. Okay. To get off, I guess, to phrase it. Um, and then I would say there are also a lot of people on Tinder just looking for friends. Okay. So I know a lot of people who go on Tinder when they go into a new town and they just want to like meet with somebody and just like get to know the town and stuff like that. And there are other people who like put their Xbox gamer tag in the description. I was like, I'm only looking for like people to join my <laughs> COD squad. <laughs> Let's kill okay. some zombies. That kind of thing. So that's kind of cool. Like I think taking dating apps like this or apps that are intended for one thing and turning it into something that's kind of cool, like kind of healthy. Like I'm going to meet new people and through a medium like video games, like make friends. I think that's kind of cool. You can also use it to get the job that I have. The job? Yeah. Say more. Fun fact. um, Why I'm a part of Red Whistle Brigade and how I know about this job is that I matched with somebody who was a part of Red Whistle Brigade (laughs) on Tinder and I messaged them. How do I become a part of Red Whistle Brigade? (laughs) (laughs) That's just one of the better stories I've ever yeah. heard in my job. <laughs> and they told me what class to take. I'm like, oh, thanks so much. And I haven't talked to them since. Oh, ghosted them? Well, I mean, they didn't text me back, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, good job on that person, I would say. Yeah, thank you, person. <laughs> I think as men trying to engage, single men trying to engage the world of dating, I do think figuring out your intentions on why you're doing it is an important part of that process. Like, if you're not clear yourself, 
in terms of I just want to hook up with people for now or I am looking for some level of a relationship. If you're not clear on those, those aren't the only two options, but if you're not clear on those options, you might end up hurting people, right? Yeah. It's uh, all about communication at that point. Yeah. And that's where the directness comes in too of like, if you're just looking to hook up with someone, you can just be like, listen, I'm not looking for anything long term. I'm just really like kind of horny. And would yeah. you like to like help each other out here? It's way different, way better in my opinion than want to yeah <laughs> i think it also like it includes them into the conversation yeah exactly they're, they're like instead of just like oh would it come over it's like hey this is what i'm looking for what are you looking for let's find a common ground yes and it's like instead of trading sex it's more of just a collaboration of like hey this is what you want this is what i want let's get together and let's make it happen totally and i think that i worry sometimes that social justice conversations try to eliminate like hookup culture in a lot of different ways of saying that it's all bad like i think in a world where we solve everything and justice has been served there will still be plenty of people just hooking up for sex right so i think there's a way to practice that and that level of talking about consent and negotiations around what's cool and what's not cool is a really healthy exercise exercise and and like in masculinity yeah because like sex isn't bad and within social justice circles it has to be in a more sex positive light in that sense of like sex is cool sex is awesome you can do it as much as you want because like that's when we get down to like the problem with slut shaming and the problem with like you know having more sex is bad or like hooking up with whatever you want is bad when in reality that's not a bad thing and tinder's just a catalyst to get to there and if you use it in the right and socially conscious ways then no harm would be done agreed I also think remembering that some of those slut shaming and the idea that sex is bad is definitely rooted in religious concepts. And so really deconstructing that within yourself in terms of why do I feel this way, I think is important. One of the things that I remember when I was on Tinder that I wrestled with as someone who talks about this kind of thing a lot is how superficial it felt to just see a picture and be like, nah, like (laughs) I I felt not for me, no thanks. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like that level of objectification, which is what Tinder is based on, right? Right. A a very binary objectification setup to like start matching with people. I really struggle with that. And I was wondering what like how you negotiated that, what went through your mind while going through. Yeah. How I would argue that point is this idea of like, I mean, even though it's on a digital landscape, it's kind of the same thing as like going to a bar and seeing someone that you think is pretty cute. I mean, that's the same thing as looking through a couple of photos of somebody. So you just like you glance at them for like 30 seconds or something and then you decide yes or no in your mind. But in Tinder, it's instead of yes or no, it's right or left swipe. So I think that part of Tinder is just to be expected with the dating app scene. And it also depends a lot on the consumer. And Mm. so I think, yeah, the app is isn't set up for an ideal situation, but I think we have to put more responsibility on the users to like go into the description, find out more about them and then have engaging talks with them. If you want to get to that point of like not objectifying the app itself isn't objectifying these people. I think it's the people on the app that objectify them. Okay. So I think if you want to argue that Tinder is objectifying people, I would, I would want to like look more in depth and do some like um, soul searching and be like, okay, if somebody thinks that this app is actively objectifying people, what does that say about you? Mm, okay. Kind of thing. Interesting. Uh-huh. Like, I think my recommendation or the, the way I thought about it is if everything I know 
or everything that I've learned about what it means to be a man has been taught to me, then it's very possible that I've also been taught to believe what is pretty or what is attractive. Yeah. And so my process through Tinder was where am I legitimately feeling attraction to people versus what have I been taught that is attractive in these people, right? And then, and then And then broadening my scope of attraction to like try to start breaking down that objectification process. And, mm-hmm. that, and it was really hard. Like I, it was exhausting, you know, like <laughs> I imagine there's a bunch of people just on their couches, just like moving their thumb around. Yeah. For me, it was like, click, click, bio bar. <laughs> think about it. You were doing some surgery. You were like <laughs> going in, you were like seeing their psyche yeah. and just like all this stuff. And then negotiating my own like it was like self-counseling sessions basically of like uh, <laughs> do you, <laughs> yeah, you're being a dick right now or <laughs> are you legitimately not attracted to this person's this person's picture? Making a pro and con sheet like right next to you and it's like, all right, Jezebel, let's put you through the machine. Let's see. Um, pros of dating. <laughs> I do think part of that negotiation is what we've been taught about race. There are absolutely statistics out there that break down some dating sites in terms of which gender and race race gets the least like texts or matches or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think black women and Asian men are at the very bottom of the list in terms of people that like their profile or reach out to their profile or whatever. And deconstructing some of your own internal biases around race is also like incredibly important in this process. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we're going to interview our guest who is so nice to be here. Bailey, why don't you introduce yourself one more time? Hi, I'm Bailey. I'm Peter's partner. Um, My pronouns are they, them. Yeah. Cool. Do you mind talking a little bit about your experiences on Tinder before you met Peter then? Like, what are some of the themes or like, was it hard? What's tell us a little bit about what Um, it was like. I've had Tinder for a pretty long time. And when I first got it, I think I was like 18 or 19. And I was using it, you know, just to find like hookups or to be in a relationship, I guess, because at that point I kind of didn't really care. When I started college, I didn't really have too many friends just because I went out of state and I didn't know anybody. So it was just kind of like a way to meet people and do things. And um, I don't really remember a whole lot from the beginning of everything, but I've joined like a couple of bands and I've been in a lot of music projects just because people do find interest in me because of my hobbies. And before I met Peter, I think I've been in at least four or five relationships off of Tinder. And like, you know, there's just people how I meet. Like I downloaded it when I moved to Denver because I didn't know anybody and I was just looking for friends. The worst experience that I've probably had on it with one of those relationships is it was a guy who was a heroin addict and he didn't tell me. And um, he was also homeless and just using me to stay at my place. Also, just like being just completely manipulative and ridiculous. And then the guy before that as well was also basically just doing the same thing, only like under different circumstances. I've had a lot of people who ask me for like lewd photos and things like that and just kind of harass me about it. Like there's this one guy who messaged me and was just like, hey, like, yeah, like, let me take you out for dinner. And I agreed to it. And I was like, that's totally fine. And then I was like rethinking it. Maybe not. So I canceled on him. And then I didn't unmatch with him because he was pretty nice. And he just kept messaging me almost every single hour for like a couple of days. And 
talking to me a lot about um, like how horrible I was and like how I was just standing him up and everything like that and how like and just like telling me that like like even before then he was just kind of telling me about how uh kind of just like degrading me just because I am female bodied and just saying like oh well you need me to take care of you otherwise like you're not gonna end up anywhere and things like that just saying like all of these really weird things to me and I'm just like okay well like I hope you know that I am an independent person and I can take care of myself and I don't need you to buy me food because it's not like I'm gonna starve just because I'm not going on a date with you and <laughs> you did some work yeah it was just it was really weird put him in his place yeah <laughs> How rare of a situation is that to encounter men like that specifically on Tinder? On Tinder? I know you, you don't identify as a woman necessarily, but because of the setup of Tinder, you have to set up yourself as one or the other. Like what percentage of women do you think on Tinder have had experiences like that one um, or something to I, that degree? I am not necessarily friends with a lot of okay. with a lot of women, but I find that like every every woman that I meet has at least one experience like that um not to like not necessarily to such a high degree that he was taking it with that amount of harassment but i have like every person like every woman that i've met has had somebody who's just been like unnecessarily pushy about a lot of things thanks sharing i think that's interesting to make a distinction between being direct and being pushy i think that's an interest that's a very important thing that we need to distinguish yeah because in Colorado, at least, the like laws on consent, if you pressure someone into a yes, like it's not consent, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you're saying making a distinction between being direct and being what many men would call persistent versus pressure, right? Like yeah. persistency is actually pressure. And if you pressure someone into like a date, for example, that's actually not consent. Yeah. It's illegal. Yeah. I think that's really interesting to take into account because men are raised to be like aggressive and go-getters. Mm, okay. And yeah. I find a lot of, the, sorry to interrupt you. No, I find it. that like a lot of the time it's considered romantic if a woman says no. And then a man is like really adamant about trying to win her over huh. and things like that and it's like it's a common trope in movies especially movies set like in the 50s or 60s and i find that um i mean and the 2010s and yeah 20s. yeah exactly <laughs> last year <probably. laughs> even like uh when you hear love stories of grandparents it's like oh, i was saying no at first dearie and then your grandfather <laughs> just followed me to my house with a machete and i decided that i better give him a chance <laughs> That's so true. That's so weird. <laughs> How like so many old people, they're like romantic stories. It's like, oh, he came over and parked his car in my lawn and <laughs> serenaded me, threw rocks in my window. Engaged yeah. to me four days later. Like, <laughs> and I just couldn't say no. Right. I couldn't say. Yeah. Like it's it's kind of f-ed up. But so going along with Tinder, you kind of discussed your worst experience. What's your best experience? Other than Peter. <laughs> Other than me. Um, Which didn't sound like the best experience either, so maybe yeah. we're overstepping our browns. Yeah, screw you, Peter. <laughs> um, well, that's actually a really good question. Oh, okay. I can think of one. <laughs> I met one of my uh, really good friends on Tinder. He had uh, had like created a Tinder account just to talk to me and liked my style and things like that and everything and like he wanted to be in a relationship with me but i was just like no thanks and then he was like okay cool well like let's be friends and then he introduced me to like the punk scene 
and like showed me all my friends and like we like really integrated me into the scene that I am in currently and like introducing me to like a lot of the people who I'm friends with now and is just kind of the whole reason why I met everybody that I know. And I think that that's probably the best experience that I've had because although I didn't get anything romantic out of it, I got a really nice introduction to having fulfillment in platonic relationships. Props to that dude. Like how often do you hear a story about a guy going, hey, you want to date? And then being rejected and be like, okay, you want to be friends? Yay. You know, like that's, yeah, that's so rare. (laughs) And just like a guy just like stepping back and like, yeah, I'll just show you like all my friends and like, we'll still hang out and stuff. And I think that's really awesome. So props to that guy. Great example of a healthy masculinity. Woo. I'm I'm glad there are more people like us out there. Be like that guy. Yeah. Oh, but, um. Uh-oh. Another one of my worst ones that okay. I had, which is really funny. Um, so I am bisexual and I went on this date with uh, this girl and it was like it was I think it was like the day after I went on my first date with Peter. And, um, <laughs> I was like, let's go to this art museum because like I think it'll be really cool and I'll like pay for you to get in and everything. And she was just like, all right, like that's so dope. So I meet her and. She's just like this really like this woke girl. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so you should like art or something or be a type of creative. And I take her into the art museum and we're not looking at anything. She's walking through all the rooms and stuff and just completely not having fun, just so clearly not having fun. And so I stop and I'm just like, you don't really like art that much, do you? And she says, well, I just feel like there's way better things that I could be doing with my time other than looking at art. I'm just like, you knew what you were getting into. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was just like, all right then. And then we started talking about music and she just completely disregarded everything that I was saying and was just, my music taste is really niche. I listen to a lot of the Beatles and Grateful Dead Uh. and, you know, like all this walk music, like the house type stuff, like the really bad house type stuff where (laughs) it's just like horns and crazy beats that don't make any sense where people are just hula hooping to it. So I don't know. It was just really bad. And, you know, she like messages me because she friended me on Snapchat and it's just like, hey, like you want to hang out? You want to hang out? You want to hang out and I'm just like I'll read them and then ignore them because I'm just like (laughs) you just need to realize how awful this was (laughs) so Bailey I'd like to talk about your journey through masculinity and what masculinity means to you and how masculinity has shaped your life and so before I ask that could you name some of your most salient identities Native American, non-binary, uh, that's probably it. Oh yeah, I'm bisexual. I forgot to add that one in. (laughs) Dope. Whatever you're comfortable with. So, um, growing up, how has masculinity affected you and in your life? Um, well, so I grew up with like around very toxic masculinity and it, like my father, um, really, I watched him like pressure gender roles onto my sister and my brother and my brother is the oldest so he always expected the most out of him was like you don't need to be a man's man like you need to know how to eat a car (laughs) you know something dumb like that yeah and um eat a car yeah (laughs) that's manly right (laughs) yes And which is like, uh, like, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to protect like your, your sisters and you need to get yourself a wife who's going to do everything for you and would complain a lot if like my sister and I didn't do any cleaning or didn't cook or anything like that, like expected us to be just very housewifey. And, um, 
you know, would comment a lot on my brother's masculinity and um, just by like uh, beating on him and just uh, like really pressuring it into her head that like we needed to be the perfect, the perfect wife, the perfect husband, things like that. And just telling us that it's a sin to be anything other than straight and cis and just, uh, you know, anytime that I because I was a tomboy when I was growing up. So he would always force me to wear dresses and stuff. And just really make me want to push away my femme identity because as like an active rebellion against my super strict father, I just never really wanted that. And it got to the point like where I was just so against my own identities that I had a lot of internalized homophobia and like a lot of internalized transphobia. And I just completely did not even acknowledge the fact that there's something out there that I even had any part of it inside of me. And then when I went to high school, kind of when trans awareness started being a little more mainstream, not like as much as it is now, but kind of like when people were getting a little more educated on it, at least in the area that I was growing up in, which was like a pretty conservative town, I read the definition of what it was to be trans. And in my head, I was like, oh, hey, I think that this might be me. And I started thinking about it and I made like two lists. I'm just like, why I'm cis, why I'm trans. I made two whole lists about like what I am and how I felt. And I would recall things that I had felt before and just completely pushed away. So for almost my entire high school career, I identified as a trans man and I would dress masculine. I got binders and um, I started uh, going by he, him pronouns. I changed my name to something more masculine. And I was really comfortable with that type of masculine energy and I felt it and I liked it. And that was who I thought that I was for a really long time. And then I thought about it even more. And I'm just like, well, sometimes I feel like I'm more of a woman than I am a man. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm gender fluid. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not gender fluid. Maybe I'm just like nothing at all, all the time. And the more that I got into it, I was just thinking about it. And, you know, when I found out, you know, gender is indeed a binary, you can be more masculine or more feminine. And just because you're one or the other doesn't mean that you're a man or a woman. The the older that I got and the more into like fashion that I got and the more that I kind of explored what I was comfortable with, I decided that I was non-binary. And, you know, I took two tabs of acid and I <laughs> sat in my room and I was that was when I really came to terms with how non-binary I was, because even though I didn't feel like a woman, that doesn't mean that I'm a man. And even though I'm not like I feel like a man, that doesn't mean that I'm not a woman. Like I can be somewhere in between and be comfortable with that and have it be all right and still be able to express masculine like masculinity on the outside or in other parts of my personality and tendencies and also do the same with uh with like femininity as well you mentioned something there about masculine energy i'm curious about how you've come to conceptualize this idea of masculine versus feminine energy and how that mixes or doesn't mix within you have you ever given thought to that um Not really. It's kind of just like at this weird harmony of things where it's it depends on not necessarily like situations that I'm in, but kind of just I'm at a standstill of things that I do sometimes are perceived as traditionally more masculine than they are feminine and acknowledging the fact that it's okay to have that, I suppose. (laughs) 
Yeah, because I always struggle with like, I don't know how to label masculine energy without using stereotypical ideas of what masculine even means or how to label feminine energy without using stereotypical things that we say is feminine. And so I'm actually interested in this idea of is it even worth our time to separate energy in gendered ways or is it just energy and you feel some parts of it differently than others well i think that that's exactly what it is um i don't i again like the way that people ask me to kind of describe being non-binary it's kind of hard it's like how do you describe you know being a person <laughs> it's <laughs> it's weird and it's complicated and it's it's hard to vocalize it in a way that isn't a feeling because it is it is so socially constructed and so stereotypical to to label it in a sense that um, I have that type of balance without kind of describing it in a way that does make it a little stereotypical. Just kind of like I don't want to say like dumb it down, but right. to kind of like make it a little bit more understanding. It's kind of like having to describe, you know, like a feeling that you've never really like that you as a person, if you've never experienced it before, then you kind of really wouldn't understand what it would be like. Yeah. Gotcha. Thanks. I think it's really interesting how you look at femininity and masculinity and like instead of like I would say the majority of the population looking at those two types of energies in a gendered spectrum, you're just and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're just like, it's just a feeling that I have and it's something I can express and you don't really tie gender to it. Yeah, that's dope. I know. I mean, like, I know that I don't know um anything about anything. So um, just <laughs> it seems like you do. Yeah. I mean, I like to I've read a book or two, um, <laughs> but I find that the way that I feel isn't going to be the same way that somebody else feels as well. And um, it's kind of hard having that type of like, oh, how would you know that you were non-binary? It's like, I don't know. I guess I just kind of always always knew because one of my friends is also non-binary. But the way that they have come to terms with their like with them being non-binary is completely different than me because they never went through a, a stage where they believed that they were trans or anything like that, where they like had so much ag aggressive masculinity. Well, I mean like aggressive masculinity. Like, I mean like, you know, they've never been so like just leaping into it kind of thing. Whereas that's something that I did. So everybody's journey is differently and everybody kind of feels a little different than, than I do or than anybody else kind of would. Because it's a very personal thing. For sure. Thank you so much for sharing. Really appreciate it. Here's the fun part. Is it fun? That wasn't fun? The story of your partner wasn't fun for you? No. That's real nice. Oh, I way to go. Come on. Why <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys teaming up on me, man? Come on. No, no. I, yeah. No, you're right. Okay, so let's do some rapid fire questions. Is that cool? Woo. All right, we're going to do a little something different here for rapid fire questions, if you will. Since we have a couple in the room, we're going to do kind of a newlyweds version of rapid Woo. fire questions. Yay! I'm going to ask Peter a question, but Bailey's going to answer that question, and we'll see just how well they know each other. Oh, jeez. Peter, by which I mean Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite article of clothing? Ooh, okay, this one's hard. I'm going to have to say, like, those black pants that you always wear from H&M. I was going to go beanie. Oh, the beanie. Ooh. That one's, you wear that one a lot. I, my favorite article of clothing is probably those black pants from Rated <laughs> <laughs> I wear them all the time. All the time. And I love how they feel all the time. But that beanie is a close second. Word. Bailey, by which I mean Peter. Favorite Jeez. TV show? Frasier? No, 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 no. <laughs> Steven Universe. Yeah, I think like Frasier as all time favorite and Steven Universe as like currently. Bow! <laughs> Whatever. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Point one. 
But you both have a point. Are, yeah. are, are we keeping score? No. <laughs> score is a social construct. Yeah, and competition is a manly construct. So way to go, I bro. I will push you down the stairs. <laughs> so I'm asking Peter now. Wait, no, no. Yes, no. I'm asking Bailey, but Peter's answering. This game, dude. <laughs> uh, no, no, you're, you're asking me, but Bailey's answering this time. Oh, oh, yes. Of course. The most embarrassing song that you like. Actually, oh, this one's really hard. Because Peter's a music snob, so I assume he just critiques the out of everything, but actually likes one of the things that he on publicly. Well, I don't know, because he does it all the time. Like, sorry, I hate this song. Oh, I actually don't know. Okay. I, I genuinely, I can't answer that. It's Just sorry. Dance by Lady Gaga. Nice. Okay. I love that song. Well it's done. So good. Bailey, favorite pizza topping? Oh, geez. Shoot. We get it all the time. Yeah. Oh. Do we? Yeah, we do. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Cream cheese. Accurate. Nice. <laughs> Peter, place outside of North America you'd like to most visit? Man. <laughs> am, I, am I hitting you with the hard one? Yes. All right, all right, all right, all right. Scratch that one. PC or Mac? PC. 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 Because that's all I can afford. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's real. I am so poor. <laughs> Bailey, let's do another binary question here. Oceans or mountains? Mountains. Yeah, f- the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I hate all parts of the earth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Peter, favorite brand of makeup? Um, well, not Mac because we test on animals. Uh, I'd probably say, oh no, Elf. I, I don't wear makeup. <laughs> so Cetaphil. <laughs> really? I thought you wore makeup for shows. I do, but like it's, I borrow from my mom, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, so I guess whatever. So mom's, mom's makeup. Mom's your makeup. All right. Well, let's flip it then. Bailey? Place outside of North America you'd like most to visit. I don't think we've ever had this discussion. I'll just guess. Do you have an answer in mind? Um, I can get one. You know what? Okay. Just yeah. This question. Yeah. You both suck. <laughs> True. We know nothing about each other. Well, thank you for both of you, I guess, to sort of open up your relationship to the world, more or less. And thank you, Bailey, for sharing your story. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Bailey, for coming on this. This means a lot to me. Aw, that was lame. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do the outro before this gets mushy. That will do it for this episode of Do You Even Lift Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. If you have feedback, thought, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for a podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Huge shout out to the partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at Colorado State University. These are the folks that even allow this podcast to happen. For more content about masculinities, check out meninthemovement.blogspot.com. And for more information about the WGAC, go to WGAC.colostate.edu. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Music production by Xavier Hadley, a.k.a. Zavley. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-V-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Thanks for listening, everyone. Deuces. Yeah, because in Colorado, at least the the law, um, the God, why am I struggling? <laughs> Consent, something about the the three, the three, uh, the three what? The three. What is Test. it? Anyway, the three steps. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. At least in Colorado, <laughs> elements of consent. Elements. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um.